Hello and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Relay FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I am here back again with my co-host Jillian Parker. Hi everyone. Hi Quinn. Hello. I missed you last week. I missed you too, but Rachel was incredible, so I'm glad that everyone got to hear her really cool views, and it was such a good episode. So, I, I mean, I'm, of course, I'm happy to be back, but yay! Yay for diversity! <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I like Rachel a lot, so I'm glad that she could come in and fill in for that week. And now we are back to normal, hopefully for a while as we figure out our schedules. We're almost to the end of the summer, everyone. I won't have to record at one in the morning for long. It's going to be great. I know. I'm so sorry, Quinn. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. It's fine. Um, I might be getting sick, but it's fine. Everything's fine. Are you that meme of the dog sitting in the the room filled with fire yet? Oh, I 100% am. Um, not even to, like, discuss the fact that we might all die in nuclear war. I can't, like, I can't even, like, we can't even talk about that. That's not, we would just start screaming, and that's not good audio content. Yeah. No, probably not ideal for your ears. Although, if you're interested, (laughs) surprise, that's actually a really bonus episode. It's just us screaming for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) We should have music in the background, though, to make it more aesthetically pleasing. We could scream in harmony. Ooh, that might be fun. I can't harmonize very well, which is bad because I'm an alto, but we could try. (laughs) I don't know if you could harmonize screaming, period, but I appreciate your efforts. Well, that'll be next on our list, um, depending on what happens. Uh, If we're still alive, who knows? It's fine. It's not fine. (laughs) Nothing is ever fine. To be on a slightly less depressing trajectory for this episode, though, um, because there are, you know, still bad things, obviously, but other things to discuss. I First of all, Scaribucci, like, I know it's very old news by now, but I just want you to address it. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> if you didn't hear... Um... A few episodes ago, it was the news broke that Scaramucci was, you know, going to be director of communications, blah, blah, blah. And I was really excited because he's from Long Island. He's Italian. Um, he's Catholic. So basically, you know, the three the three things that I love about people. Um, but yeah, I was so upset. OK, first of all, number one, I am not defending him because he totally deserved <laughs> what he got like okay he's famous so why would you just randomly spill your guts to some random person and not expect them to publish it like was there any thought and then second of all like i feel like maybe he could have gotten away with it like criticizing people if he wasn't you know dropping curses like left and right um so there was also that and then third of all when he was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm going to report directly to Trump. Um, no, you're not supposed to do that. That's why there's a chief of staff. You're supposed to report to the chief of staff. There is a clear hierarchy. Um, so he was just, he just did not make a lot of smart decisions. But whatever, it's fine. I still love him. And I know that's probably weird slash bad, but I'm over it. It's fine. We're good. I'm glad that he could, you know, bring some vibrancy to the White House. Some very extreme vibrancy for the small amount of time that he was there. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't wrong. Like, it was definitely a really vibrant 10 days. Honestly, it was so ridiculous. It was kind of a nice break from the normal news cycle. Um, Also, it's supposed to be a slow news month. Like, August is traditionally, you know, Congress is kind of out, and then we're, we're supposed to be chill. And it kind of was more chill than usual until this whole, like, I keep referencing it. Just, like, a couple hours ago, Trump put out a statement that said that um, if North Korea ups its threat, then he will respond with fire and fury. So, basically, we're all going to die in a nuclear winter. 
and it's really depressing. And I'm sorry I keep bringing it up because it's not a topic, but I just can't stop thinking about it. No, that's that's so real. I mean, this is just so bad. Like, I, I don't even know how to address the situation because, like, we can't do anything, but we can't not do anything. So we're kind of just chilling um, and just making all these empty threats. At least I think I, I hope they're empty. I don't know what people are what people in the White House are thinking right now um, in terms of that. But I just this is just not a great situation. I just don't know how to to address it. That's honestly like it sounds like it shouldn't make sense, but it totally makes sense when you say we can't do anything and we can't not do anything because like we can't we can't do anything, but if we don't do anything, then we're all going to die. So what do what do we do? <laughs> uh we sit in our rooms and record podcasts and complain about the world. Harsh. <laughs> Too soon. Oh, always too soon that is true though like the only thing that we can do to like fix the situation is to impeach trump which um causes a lot more problems called mike pence and the horrors that he will bring to this country but like not nuclear winter question mark which was kind of my whole position on this forever ago um and uh wait so I am not defending Trump or really anybody in the White House right now, but I don't know if we impeached him, like, things would get better, because, like, Kim in North Korea is just absolutely insane. Like, it's, it's he's not his dad where, he, like, someone could reason with him, you know? Like, he's just literally insane. He's going to do whatever he wants. Um, I think, honestly, he's hoping that Trump makes a move so then he can retaliate and then it's on the United States because, like, that's obviously going to make us look bad because we started it, right? But honestly, I think he's ready to, like, drop a missile at any given moment and I don't necessarily think that he's waiting or that he he is going, he has to be, you know, spurred on by the United States. Like, I think for him, politically, that would be the best for him, because then it's like, oh, well, I was just defending myself, right? But honestly, I think he would just do it regardless. I mean, okay, well, first of all, like, there's still no, even in that paradigm, like, there's still no way in which not having to incredibly narcissistic immature people in charge of nuclear weapons is better than having only one narcissistic immature person in charge of nuclear weapons like both situations are bad but the the situation which we have two people is just infinitely worse in my opinion because at least we've been dealing with the first situation for like a while and it's been all right like we even put out the interview when we didn't die it's interesting to think about this in terms of politics because, like, we're like, if the nuclear war starts, like, that's the end of the world. Like, we will kill everyone. So, it's thinking about it in terms of political advantage is bizarre. Yeah, but nobody ever said that he's, you know, right in the right in the head. So, I mean, who knows? Whatever. Maybe his priorities are messed up. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. We'll stop talking about this now um, and hope that we survive long enough to put this episode out. One would only hope. So, I mean, I guess still speaking of Trump, we'll get all the Trump stuff out of the way early. Um, There was recently an attack on a mosque in Minnesota. Now, very, very luckily, no one was injured in this attack, but there was a bombing. Um, There was some damage to the building um, right as... Uh, a group of worshippers were gathered for morning prayers. And so this story has been garnering some attention. I mean, first of all, because obviously this is a horrible thing. Um, it's honestly been really nice to see that like the community has rallied together and they've raised a lot of money to help rebuild the mosque and everything like that. Um, but there has been no statement from trump about it um nothing about condemning the terrorist who attempted this attack nothing like that and so a lot of people are basically standing here with their fingers tapping on their watches um asking what's 
when is he going to make a statement about it? Yeah, I mean, for such a prolific tweeter, you think that Trump would at least issue 140 characters about this, but alas, he has not. Um, I just think that's awful because, you know, as the president, the leader of the free world, you should address these things, um, at least, you know, offer condolences and just address the matter. Like, I think that's just your role as an executive. Um, but I do have a theory about this. And I kind of just thought, well, I didn't just think of this, but I've sort of been trying to form, like, what what is his motivation not to say anything, right? Because, like, Trump has people advising him, uh, hopefully, and I feel like a lot of them would say, oh, yeah, like, like, why wouldn't you issue some sort of public statement, blah, 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 blah. But then, like, what would prevent him from not doing so? I don't think it's necessarily racism or, like, his views that, you know, a mosque isn't as important as, say, like, a Protestant church. I think it's more, like, and this sounds awful and I know it's crazy, but I honestly think it's a self-defense mechanism because, like, we all know that Trump's approval ratings are absolute, like, absolutely in the toilet. Like, what, he has, like, a 35% approval rating and that's what rounding up so i honestly think that he's that silence he thinks that silence is the best answer so he doesn't lose the support of the few people he has on his side and that's my theory all right i don't totally disagree with that um i do think that still like maybe it's racism <laughs> um that's my new slogan now everybody but um because you still have to be like super racist to think that's an acceptable political move <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not saying he's not racist. I'm just, he's, yeah, totally valid. I also, um, I also think you just might be giving him too much credit in terms of strategizing. Trying to give the Republicans some sort of credit. Oh, good luck with that. Yeah, I know. We're not, not really succeeding. They're not doing so well. We are not thriving. What I find interesting is the insistence on the side of these Muslim leaders that he does make a statement because I feel like from the outside I've kind of hit this point where I expect nothing from him I expect trash at every moment and so seeing that people are standing up and being like hey like you have to say something like we're not going to shut up until you do say something is interesting because for me I would be like for me as an outsider I'm like oh well of course he's not going to say something like it's a mosque and he hates Muslims and he's super Islamophobic um but then but it's just a reminder that like he still is a public servant he's supposed to be serving the people in the united states of america and people are still gonna fight to hold him accountable even though it seems like a drastically losing battle i find that interesting Ugh, i just i just i'm just giving up on the world i think is my decision for the day okay we didn't have to jump to that <laughs> i mean what other options do we have at this point quinn <laughs> i don't know i might plant a garden or something oh, that might be fun that might be prof profitable i feel like i just want to i want to do something that makes me feel like i haven't given up you know like planting a garden is something that implies future reward for present work which like means there has to be a future Mhm. Mm yeah yeah I have no space to plant a garden, so this is... I, I think I'm speaking mostly metaphorically here. <laughs> what do you think about this prospect of continuing to demand Trump be held accountable for the people? Like, do you think that it is a totally lost cause, or do you think that people should still be fighting for that? I mean, I guess you can fight for whatever you want to fight for, but honestly, I think... Like, right now, I think it's less... I think the priority shouldn't be oh like is he gonna tweet this or is he actually gonna try to do something and pass some legislation and have the white house be held accountable or have something come out of his presidency that's not a complete waste like i think focusing maybe on like i i think i would be focused more on possible like legislation than like whether or not trump is going to tweet an apology I guess. I, I think that's... I can see how part of it is just about damage control. That, like, 
these kinds of events make it more likely that future attacks will happen. But, you know, if one of the main instigators of Islamophobia in the U.S., or at least one of the biggest mainstream driving forces, speaks against it, then, I don't know, maybe it helps at least slow down the flow of these attacks and this thinking? I mean, yeah, I guess. That's like the dream, right? (laughs) This is... Okay. (laughs) We're both struggling so much. (laughs) I know. I know. Here we are, trying to be optimistic in a pessimistic world. You win some, you lose most. Not even a pessimistic world, though. Just like a bad world. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like, Quinn, we're trying to... uh, I feel like the world as a whole... Like, I feel like people in general aren't as pessimistic as we make them out to be. Like, I think being pessimistic is just sort of a defense mechanism about not getting disappointed when your expectations aren't met. Yeah, I think a lot of people who are pessimistic would describe themselves as realistic, which I think in a lot of ways is pretty fair. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. I don't know. I try to, I honestly try to be optimistic in my everyday life, except if I'm like physically inconvenienced, in which case I hate everything and everyone. Um, (laughs) But generally, I try to be optimistic and hopeful and the world, man, it's just not, it's not helping. Yep. It's really, it's really not. Well, on that note, let's move right along to the crumbling infrastructure of our country. (laughs) Oh my god, I'm witnessing this on, I'm witnessing this firsthand, like, I'm living in Manhattan this summer, and the subway system is just a literal disaster. Yeah, so it seems like it's been particularly bad this summer, like, there's been, or maybe there's just been more coverage of it, but like, is it, is it really gotten like this much worse? I mean, I haven't lived in Manhattan for a long enough time to sort of like mark these trends and take note of them. Um, I kind of just assume that public transportation is bad, but I'm like, eh, how bad can it be if everybody uses it, right? Um, wrong. This summer has just been like the summer from hell, and nobody is happy right now with the subway system. Yeah, it's like, you keep hearing reports about um, trains being stalled for hours, and trains not coming at all, and these absolutely jam-packed subways, and New York is just really, really struggling. And it's... <laughs> I spend most of my time in New York in January when, I mean, there's still millions of people in New York, but like way fewer than there are in the summer because there's just not, you don't have as much tourism in January. Um, And so I'm used to like a relatively functional New York City. And then I hear about what it's like in July, especially this year. And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Quinn goes during like, during our peak. (laughs) And I will never change. (laughs) Good, good. Um, I do want to tell a quick side story about public transportation before we get into the meat of the topic, because I was just in Paris for the weekend, um, which in some ways was really lovely, and in some ways Paris and I did not get along, but uh, the relevant story with this is, so Paris has a metro system, and it's really good. Like, the trains are really um, punctual, and, and they're coming all the time, and, and I was I was... I took a lot of trains while I was there and there were never any delays, um, never a car that was too full. Like, honestly, one of the best metro experiences I've ever had, except, (laughs) um, so one time I was walking onto a train and you know how in every subway ever, um, if you get on the train and the doors close on you, the doors will hit you and then bounce off because you are a human and they don't want to cut you in half. And so, um, even if there's a lot of people getting on and off the train, you don't have to worry about, like, taking too long to get on. Turns out, the reason the Paris Metro runs so fast and so well is because those doors do not stop for you. And so, I was in the middle of walking onto a train when the doors (laughs) closed and just stuck me in the middle. (laughs) Wait, what? Quinn? First of all... It wasn't the actual doors of the train, which would have been super dangerous. I I don't know if they work exactly the same way, but I would assume it seemed like they kind of did. Um, and in some stations, they have another set of doors because it 
I'm, it looks like it's to stop people from jumping in front of the track. But I was walking through the, and they're right next to each other where they line up with the train. And so I was walking through the first of the doors and it just smashed against me and it actually hit my arm really hard. And then I was like kind of stuck and I was confused. And I was like, what's happening? I'm so glad I didn't drop anything. Um, and three of my friends were already on the train and the other friend like wrenched the door off of me. And then we just watched it leave with my friends. <laughs> wait so did you just go on the other train yeah there was another one in a couple minutes but i was just so shook i was like what as you should like, be that's what ridiculous if my hand had been in there which is taking it off oh my god i do appreciate the french efficiency though I, yeah i mean great metro system but vicious <laughs> um anyway uh new york does not work like that it will not uh, harm you with the way that there has harmed me um, but it's also super inefficient in a lot of ways. Yes. Yes, it is. So do you want to just do your rant about public transportation at the beginning to get it over with? Uh, yeah, might as well. Um, we just should not have public transportation. Like, okay, I get that if you want to make an argument for for public transportation i can see new york being that perfect argument because it is extremely population dense but in general like i just don't see the point okay what alternative do you suggest honestly i think companies could just privatize roads and have their own transportation like are you talking like a private company takes over the subway system I mean, honestly, I don't know. I think the problem with public transportation is that we keep developing these new technologies, but the way the infrastructure works, it doesn't, like, let us do anything about it when new things change, right? Like, what if Amazon just, like, took over and found this new way to, like, prime ship people, you know? <laughs> like, I think it's just... <laughs> what? Like, I want to be sent to England, and I don't even know. I mean, I know prime shipping doesn't work like that, but I just think it's a funny concept. I mean, I like, I think we can assume you know, <laughs> that prime shipping doesn't work like that. Well, that's funny, though, because, like, Elon Musk is literally trying to do this. Elon Musk is like, hey, I'm going to build a giant tunnel underneath the Earth, and your car it's gonna move super super fast and you can get to i think it was new york to dc in half an hour or something like that yeah and it's like yeah. are you elon Musk? are you it's just it's just so funny because you read all of these news articles and i'm following him and what he's doing a lot because i'm in the finance world and he's obviously relevant and it's just like he goes to these meetings with all of these investors, which are basically people just literally throwing money at him. And he's like, yeah, like this probably won't make a profit. And I don't have any, you know, stable source of cash flow, but I still think you should give me money. And people are just literally giving him money. <laughs> like, so his, so basically Tesla is not very highly rated by S&P or, um, Moody's and so their credit rating which basically is an indicator of how likely they are to pay back debt it's not it's not very high and so all these people are just like yeah yeah I mean who cares it's it's Elon like we'll just give him whatever he wants and he's just like hells yeah he's like he's the only person who can do that really because he's so he's so like cutting edge like the future of humanity like no one else could get away with that oh yeah no one else could like what <laughs> Oh, also, real quick plug for Relay FM membership. Um, there is a episode of the Members Only podcast literally about Elon Musk if you want to hear people talk about him for like half an hour. So there's that. Um, back to our topic of public transportation, though. <laughs> um, I believe that public transportation is extremely important and vital to cities. And um, first of all, because I use it a lot. I hate driving. I am such a fan of public transportation. Um, and also because, like, privatizing things just, like, doesn't work for everything. And I know that's hard for you to hear. But seriously, like... Because nothing is privatized anymore. Like, everything's freaking public now. I just don't understand. Well, 
Even companies are public. Literally, why? Okay, but like... No, JK, I'm glad that companies are public because otherwise I would not have a job. So, anyways. Back when things were privatized, we had things like you had to have certain... You had to pay to have like the fire department come put your house out if it was on fire. Like something should not be private. <laughs> would So would you not pay for the fire department to put out your house? What if you can't afford to pay the fire department? I don't know, cross your fingers and hope that it rains in the next two seconds? No, sorry, that's an awful joke. Um, But, like, it's just... <laughs> that's not a good philosophy. I feel like... I don't know. I feel like fire... You do, do not even try to argue that the fire department... No, 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 no I'm not, I'm not. Okay, fine. If you want to deal, if you want to do the fire department thing, like, that's fine. But that, then, when you're thinking about that, that's a matter of life and death, right? So is healthcare. Okay, can I, okay, sorry, can I just, like, say one really quick thing about healthcare? Um, okay, so, I, like, read this, so basically I didn't come up with this, because if I did, I would be, you know, making a lot more money than I do now. Um, so, an engineer came up with this statement, and basically it was him arguing against Obamacare, and so he wrote, here are the 10,535 pages of Obamacare condensed into four simple sentences. One, in order to insure the uninsured, we first have to uninsure the insured. Next, we require that the newly uninsured to be reinsured, and then, to reinsure the newly uninsured, they are required to pay extra charges to be reinsured. Finally, the extra charges are required so that the original insured, who became uninsured and then became reinsured, can pay enough extra so that the original uninsured can be insured and so that it's free for them. And that is called the redistribution of wealth in healthcare format. I'm sure that is a 100% factually accurate and non-controversial summary in all cases. Okay, when you think about it, that's like, like, you can say whatever you want, like, if you support healthcare, like, fine, like, whatever. But that essentially is what it is. Oh my god, we're, like, way digressing from the original topic. I mean, it's all kind of, like, somewhat the same topic, which is that I support public services and you, like, kind of don't. Um, which boggles my mind and I don't think is practical in any sense of the human imagination. But, um, we've argued enough about healthcare in previous episodes, let's argue about public transportation. <laughs> okay fair fair uh but yeah um so i forget where we started getting off track but um basically like i'm a really strong believer and supporter in public transportation i think a lot of times it's really crappy um especially in like places like new york where there are millions of people and they just don't seem to have the infrastructure uh doing what it needs to do um but like i think that not only is it important for like like the life and culture of a city i think it's really important in terms of helping people who don't have resources like get places um like so it's really hard to have a car in new york city and it's expensive to have a car in new york city and and a lot of cities it's and it's just expensive to have a car in general honestly and so if you can live in a city and there's like cheap reliable public transportation that just opens up your opportunities so 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 much more and now the cheap and reliable is, like, the really hard part. And that's not what New York is managing right now. But I don't think the solution is to privatize it, first of all, because I don't think that, like, a private company would ever take over something like the New York subway. Like, it's just too big and unprofitable. Um, and I think that, like, because private companies, like, their mission is to make money, which is how our capitalist society works. Like, that's not what you want from um, this kind of, like, public infrastructure you need that to be public in order for it to, for its goal to be accessible to lots of people as opposed to just like competitive and profit maximizing i mean i think the whole point is like innovation right and companies trying to like yeah maximize profits but like also just come up with new ways to do things like i google is not making a profit right now like it's either i think it's google and amazon like yeah they have all of this money but like they don't actually make they don't actually have a profit of like all the stable cash flow like they just take out money and borrow it and then use it for research and development like they're not actually making tangible profit like i know that's the goal eventually but like it's still it's still sustainable um even i guess in this in between phase but i get what you're saying that 
Um, it's probably, you know, not ideal for obviously everyone, but like, I don't know. I think it's just, I just don't understand why everyone has to pay. Like, this is literally just an example of the free rider effect. Like, I don't understand why everyone has to pay for something that they don't use. I mean, I think that, like, a whole lot of people do use it. That's the point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, like, like you said, if, I mean, I don't think, like, really rich people who live on the Upper East Side are taking, you know, the Jay-Z to downtown. The Jay-Z? Yes, there's a literal combination called Jay-Z. Incredible. Yeah, Um, I know. But. I mean, like, this is, this is, like, the point of living in a society, though, is that the, we all, like, pool our resources for the betterment of the society, not just the betterment of the individual. That's the point. Um, okay. If you, whatever you want. <laughs> you, you sound like, you sound like that meme that's like, mm, okay, sounds <laughs> fake, but okay. Like, what do you, what do you think the point of a society is? I mean, like... To make profit and sell goods. <laughs> oh my god, girl, we gotta get you off of Wall Street. <laughs> okay, no, like, okay, so for society, like, I get that, right? Like, okay, we're gonna make everyone better, whatever. But I think the whole point of society is, like, people are talented at other things, and you're literally trading, right? Like, I think people form societies because it's comparative slash absolute advantage. I mean, that's true. Um, but, I mean, there's also... Like, a society is better off when you have things like better wealth equality and just, like, better education and opportunities for everyone. Like, those kinds of things lead to greater innovation and betterment for the society as a whole. So we're spending all this money on all of those things in the U.S., and yet, dot, 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 we are, like, the, we are, um, we are slowly dying. Like, America, like, the expected our life expectancy has not been accelerating as much as it should given all the amount we've spent on healthcare. um our education system is absolute trash we are like not even ranked in the top 10 when it comes to math and reading so clearly like there is some discrepancy here well you know it's weird because you know the countries that do really well in those kinds of things the ones who have more socialist systems hmm do they though okay like Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but, like, I just don't, I just, yeah, but, like, I still don't see why an individual should, like, an individual who is working hard in society and, like, wants to send their kid to private school and, like, wants to do be- this and this. Like, I don't understand why the government, like, has the right to tell them that. Like, I understand, like, in Europe, like, Denmark especially has the lowest level of income inequality, has, like, the highest um, credit, like, whatever. And they pay, like, what? Like, ridiculous, like, 60% taxes. And, okay, sure. But, like, Denmark is also going through all these problems right now when it comes to literally the free rider effect. And also, like, how sustainable is this, right? And then, additionally, I just... I I get that it's the idea. Like, I get the idea, and I get how, in theory, this should work. Like, Karl Marx... Karl Marx, like, the Communist Manifesto was, like, pure economic genius, right? Like, Karl Marx was a smart guy. He, like, knew what was going on. But, like, that's just not applicable. Like, it's just not perfectly applicable to real life, and I just don't understand why someone who, like, knows how to knows how to work the system has to pay extra because a government entity is telling him that he needs to. I mean, so first of all, communism and socialism are different things, Jillian. <laughs> Yeah, socialism is the politically correct term for communism. This is this is a joke for something we were talking about off show. Jillian got in trouble <laughs> for calling communism and socialism. But anyway. Um. No, so basically... Oh, can I tell the story? It's so much more funny in context. Okay, go for it. Okay, so yes, I know that there is legitimate differences between communism and socialism. For example, socialism emphasizes wealth distribution. Um, and communism, like, li- literally the government just owns everything. And then furthermore... Um, in socialism, capitalism is allowed to exist, but in communism, capitalism just doesn't exist at all. But I got into a playful argument with my boyfriend, and he and I are very, very different when it comes to political views. Like, he is 
very liberal. He believes in um, income equality, all that stuff. Like, our, he thinks that taxes should be, like, 70%. <sighs> I literally cringed when I said that. Um, and, like, you know me. I'm, like, the freewheeling libertarian over here. But basically, just to annoy him, I sent him a picture of a circle. And I was like, here is a Venn diagram <laughs> of... Uh, socialism and communism. Note that it is a circle. And he just got so mad at me. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love that that's the kind of thing you fight about. <laughs> but yeah, this... <laughs> I don't even know what's happening with this conversation. Um, I don't know what... Like, all we keep having these conversations over and over again about um, these basically these fundamental differences between, like, your libertarian ism capitalism um versus my uh like democratic socialism not that i would i wouldn't like strongly identify as a democratic socialist but it's certainly like especially compared to you um definitely there uh and basically i think that like your views make no sense and i'm sure you think that my views make no sense as well so it's interesting um and it's like we're gonna keep having this different versions of the same conversation i think over and over again because it is important um and i don't think we're ever going to convince each other but i'm gonna keep trying because i don't know i just like you say things and i, I can't help it <laughs> i mean i'm not trying to like convince you of anything like i don't think that's the point i mean to me like, if everyone did think like me, I think I would be a little concerned. Like, I don't think that everyone should be libertarian, and I don't think that everyone should be a Republican, even though I am both of those things. Like, I think diversity in views is super important, and we're allowed to have these dialogues, and I think by doing this, we, like, push each other, and we learn, and we either, you know, like, I can say, okay, like, fine, that makes sense. Like, I was actually... Oh my god, this is getting so off topic. But um, I was talking to uh, our roommate, Azra, and she was like, well, like, I understand, um, she was like, I understand where you're coming from, but like, why wouldn't you want to spend money on like public education, especially, you know, especially for kids, right? Because like kids, no matter what, like they can't help, like they can't help circumstances. Um, like you're either... Like, everything is a proverbial flip of a coin. Like, you either end up in, like, a privileged household or you don't. So I think it was just, like, this... We do have this awful, like, disparity among children, especially when it comes to education and wealth and resources. And so I was like, okay, fine. Like, if you want to tax me, like, 50% so it can go to kids and so they can go to school, fine. But then why am I also paying, like, all this extra money for a social security system that doesn't work. Am I supposed to be answering that question or? <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's just like, okay, we can, if you want to introduce these liberal views and maybe they can work in theory, fine. But that means we would have to like reevaluate the entire system. And that would mean, you know, cutting things that people care about, like healthcare and also like social security. Like, I don't think we can have everything. Just like libertarians can't have everything, Democrats can't have everything, and Republicans can't have everything. We have to take the best of, or, like, the worst, depending on your view, of different parts. And that's how, you know, you can build some sort of government or society that's probably better than the one we live in now. Um, <laughs> are you just, like... Um, no, I, like... I I... With those kind of thoughts in general, like, I'm really behind you. Because, I mean, first of all, I mean, like, I do value this idea of diversity of opinion. And, like, if I didn't think your views were valuable, like, I would have kicked you off the show a long time ago. We could have just had, like, liberal socialist utopia over here. Um, Aw, Quinn, you say the sweetest things. <laughs> JK, I love you. Um, <laughs> but, no, seriously, and I think that, like, something we can all get behind is, like, no one is really happy with the way the government works. And people disagree on what the best way is it to work. And I think that the really fundamentally important thing is that people are working towards what they think genuinely is going to be the best for people based on history and evidence. And I think that, like, if that is the starting point and then people just have diverging views with, again, like, 
with able to back it up with evidence of what that looks like, then we can try different things. We can build government in different ways and do our best to try to fix this huge unwieldy system that we have somehow monstrously created. It's, I think that the problem that we see in a lot of places and especially in our government now is like people not starting at that fundamental place of like, what can we do to make the lives of people in this country better? Where it's like, there's something wrong going on there. I, I think, no, like Quinn, like that's totally makes sense. And you've like made some like really great points, but also like, I think, I don't think Democrats and Republicans are that different when it comes to values. I think they're different in how we should implement these changes. And, like, we're just taking, like, different... We're just, like, prioritizing different things. And, like, Republicans are like, okay, maybe we can fix education and healthcare, but first, like, let's cut taxes. And so we can have, like, this trickle-down effect. And, you know, like, if you look at the Phillips curve and blah, blah, blah. No, not the Phillips curve. Is it the Laffer curve? I don't know. Somebody fact-check me. Fact-check me. Um, and then de Democrats are like, no, like, in order to fix, like, like companies should come last and we need to help, you know, like, the people who are suffering now. And then that's the only way we can, like, better our society, right? Like, I don't think Republicans and Democrats are coming from, from these two different complete, like, ideal, um, these two completely different philosophies. Like, I don't think that Democrats are evil and Republicans are good or vice versa. Like, I think it's just the way that they're trying to implement them is completely different. And then those differences are what cause this embitterment between the two. And thus, we have, we make no progress. Yeah, and I agree with you in the abstract. I do want to stress again, I think the current administration is horrible and is doing virtually no good. Um, but in the abstract terms of like, traditional liberalism and conservatism yeah <laughs> and i also want to stress that i'm speaking primarily for economic issues like uh this is not i have a lot less leeway for social issues like hey i should be able to marry whoever i fall in love with and control my own body like those are i'm not gonna budge on those things fair fair Whew, okay so we've been talking for a long time already and i have a really big topic that I want to talk about, but it's also super relevant to the conversation we're already having. So um, the diversity, quote unquote, diversity memo, as it's been dubbed at Google. If you haven't heard about this, it's been a really big news story in the past week. An employee at Google published this 10 page memo on what he sees as the problems in the company. And um, it was a lot about how he thinks that there's it's basically the whole company is too left-leaning and there's not ideological diversity and it's an unsafe place for conservatives to share their views and that that's harmful for the overall culture. Um, he also wrote a bunch about how the biological differences between women and men mean that women are just less good at engineering because, you know, our lady brains just can't, we're all about those people skills and we can't do the hard math. Um, and so... <laughs> The statement, this guy got fired, um, and the statement from the CEO of Google, part of it was, much of what it was in this memo is fair to debate regardless of whether a vast majority of Googlers disagree with it. However, portions of the memo violate our code of conduct and cross a line by advancing harmful gender stereotypes in our workplace. So by the way, Google does have a code of conduct that this guy agreed to, and it definitely, this memo violates it. So I definitely agree with this statement in that, like, conversations about these like biases and ideological diversity is like fair and fine to have and i think that those kinds of conversations and that pushback is important to have um but also a lot of this the stuff in this memo was sexist bullshit okay yeah um i think i was like quinn and i were talking about this before and i was definitely trying to play devil's advocate and being like oh yeah like freedom of speech like he's just trying to start a dialogue blah 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 but then i guess i didn't realize that um i mean the ceo of google or being an employee of google literally means you sign a contract saying you're not gonna say these kind of things in memos and you're not gonna try to you know spread discrimination or spread these untrue beliefs and so, yeah, I don't really have anything to uh, argue with. Um, I think, like, this guy is complaining about freedom of speech and, like, that he's being, you know, 
whatever, repressed and like not allowed to share his views. But when you sign up to work for a company, it's like that's your choice and you're choosing to give those pieces up. Yeah, absolutely. It's like there, this is no way freedom of speech issue because, I mean, like, it's a company. It's not the government. Companies can do what they want. And when they're violating what is a clearly laid out policy, um, and I think oh, so many people are mad about this. This is like the big everybody's mad about it story of the week. Um, and so I read the entire thing. I've checked up on the links. I'm going to have a minor rant because, uh, first of all, this guy called social constructionism a myth, and I got a bone to pick with this guy. <laughs> like, I was honestly so, I was so prepared for the misogyny when I read it, and I, like, so it didn't surprise me or shock me. Like, I've read stuff like that so, so many times before. But he said that social constructionism was a myth, and I was so mad. Um, so, you know, I'm a sociology major. Social constructionism is this uh, body of work and theory that, like, the, the world that we experience is socially constructed through our interactions and our culture and our history. Um, and that it can basically apply to anything. Um, and people have varying levels of what they think it applies to. And it's sort of the nature versus nurture debate. Whereas um, social constructionism is like the nurture side. And he's arguing for evolutionary psychology, which is the nature side. Now, evolutionary psychology um, is also a body of knowledge and theory and you know psychology and sciences and everything that basically argues for like explaining things in the modern world in humans um on the basis of natural selection so it's this nature side of the argument and i actually was just having a conversation with my professor today about evolutionary psychology and here's the thing like it's not a non-controversial field like this is he presented this makes me so mad. Okay. <laughs> he presented the ideas in his memo as if this was a stringent academic paper. He had these links to articles that were supposedly evidence, and some of them were legitimate studies. Some of them were Wikipedia pages. Some of them were from 1992 and, like, not relevant. Um, and, like, he was like, this is, these things are biological facts. These things have been proven. Like, these... And that's not true. Like, that's... <laughs> You can't present something as factual, like, hard evidence in that way when it is a contested thing in science. And I'm not saying that, like, everything in social constructionism is true, um, but I'm saying that, like, you can't have social constructionism without looking at evolutionary psychology, and you definitely can't have evolutionary psychology without looking at social constructionism. Like, you need both sides to the debate, and it's up to you whether, like, where your personal ideology falls on that, but you can't just ignore the other side and present that you're, like, your personal opinion which like this is a personal opinion of what he thinks about this as hard fact okay rant over i think his belief that social constructionism doesn't exist is a social construct oh my god i love you <laughs> <laughs> like literally because i feel like first of all i don't know i feel like and it's been proven in like um psychology studies like all the time like people like, there's always some sort of satisfaction, right, by, like, going against the grain and, like, you know, picking the contrarian view. And I think he's literally just doing that here and thus proving his point. Like, I mean, thus proving his, like, counter-argument, right? Like, I just don't... <sighs> People like this do not make sense to me. Yeah, as a general rule of thumb, whenever someone is claiming to be, like, I am the reasonable measured person in this situation. I'm speaking from a place of objectivity. Do not trust that person because no one is objective. No one can be perfectly quote unquote rational in these kinds of situations. Like these issues are super complicated and like one guy can't pretend that like he is the rational arbiter of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that like goes not only in things like this when it's, you know, coming from, like, talking about where you stand in society. But, you know, this could also be applied to everything that we talked about before, Quinn, like, um, when it comes to, when it comes to different, like, political views and stuff, right? Like, I'm not speaking from, okay, so my libertarian land, I think, is a good point of, like, ob objectivity, because it's, like, fantasy land, and literally, like, there are no rules, and, like, everyone's kind of just, like, happy and not paying taxes. 
Um, I think that is probably the most objective, like, view, those are the most objective views of mine. And, like, those aren't real. Like, those cannot be applied to society or to government. So it's just like, okay, whatever. But, like, my views about politics or, like, may, where I stand on some things, yeah, I'm going to try to, like, use economic reasoning or some sort of logic to prove that my ideas are rational and that I'm trying to show them as objectively as I can. But like, obviously I'm also coming from a, I'm coming from a very subject, subjective place. Like I, I don't think I'm objective at all. Like I'm coming from, you know, a family who did have these resources and I could go to private school and like all these things. And maybe if I didn't have that, then like I would have completely different views, but like, I'm just saying like, there is no such, there is no such thing as objectivity here. There is no such thing as objectivity. That's just the name of the episode. Welcome to Social Constructionism, everyone. (laughs) And if you don't think that this is a social construct, you are literally living within your own social construct. Time is a social construct. Oh my, like, the days of the week are a social construct. (laughs) I'm sorry. I can't. I feel so passionate about this. Literally, money slash economics is a social construct. I mean, that's, like, a really clear social construct, though. Like, the green pieces of paper that were like, hey, this is valuable. Okay, fine, that's fair. <laughs> I don't know, but, like, I feel like you could also, maybe not with time, like, the general concept of time, like, the big picture view of time, but, like, these random months, like, who came up with these, name of these months? Like, I don't know. Literally, language is a social construct. Why do we call dogs dogs? I love that, that after all the conversations in this episode, we can come together to rant about this. <laughs> I feel like when, like, we planned so, like, we were like, yeah, we're going to talk about all these different issues and everything's going to be so well thought through and we're going to have these different opposing views that, like, mesh perfectly. And then literally it's just, like, us ranting about stupid people. Oh, my God. And it, the thing that makes me, okay, there's so many things that make me angry about this, but Again, like, there is some, like, legitimate stuff in this paper, even if it's stuff, paper, paper is a strong word, um, but, like, <laughs> even if it's not stuff I agree with, it's stuff that, like, he has a right to say. What he doesn't have a right to say is stuff like, I think that um, diversity practices at Google are lowering the bar. Um, like, that's, that's, like, outright discrimination, dude. <laughs> Why are you pretending that that's, like, your biological fact academic jargon, jargon situation? Ugh. Literally, the fact that it's a paper or a memo is a social construct. Like, who knows? Unclear. <laughs> Can we just start listing things that are social constructs? Quinn, every time you, like, every time we just, like, don't have, like, a good, you know, response to something, I'm just gonna be, like, social construct. <laughs> Uh, so real though my lack of coming up with good comebacks in a conversation social construct (laughs) so this is how uh, this is how you win arguments according to quinn and jillian you either one say that it's a social construct or two just correct their grammar which is also a social construct (laughs) you know i have to say though um so when i was at wwdc i was hanging out with a bunch of people and then like someone asked me basically to tell them about sociology and because like a lot of people don't know what sociology is and i'm like so happy to tell people all the time and so i was talking about what i study and i was like oh and you know like social constructionism and they were like whoa like what did you just say (laughs) um and then i explained social constructionism very happily um in probably more detail than they wanted (laughs) they were like okay i was looking for like the two the two sentence response but it's okay 140 characters or less. <laughs> okay we are not aiming to be trump here oh okay um yeah sorry we didn't have like a nuanced conversation about this memo but we like we're both social scientists what do you want from us <laughs> yeah literally like <laughs> <sighs> but yeah um I feel great now, actually. I'm really glad I got to rant about this. <laughs> I'm so proud. Quinn, I live for these moments when, like, our rants are sort of in line. <laughs> Incredible. That happens a lot more during the school year when we're both complaining about, like, the food and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's so real. Especially since, like, both, like, we don't eat meat. So it's just like, well, guess I'm going to have cereal for the <laughs> fourth dinner in a row. <laughs> it's a constant struggle. Aren't you lactose intolerant, Jillian? 
lactose intolerance is a social construct. <laughs> that's actually not true. <laughs> okay, actually, yeah, that's biological, but like, it's fine. <laughs> this is totally an evolutionary thing, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. Guys, by the way, I still have been, like, vegan. I think I mentioned it a few episodes ago that I was going vegan, and, like, I've kept it up, and I'm, like, really happy. Oh my god, that's congratulations. And yeah, like, first I was, like, doing it for health reasons, but, like, now I feel like I have, like, this better understanding of, like, ethics and just, like, animals and, like, putting nature first and, like, all these, like, random wishy-washy tree-hugging things. And I'm just like, hmm, what have I become? But, you know what, it's fine. I'm about it. Oh my god, watch. In a year, Jillian's gonna be the hippie on this show. It's gonna be incredible. Um, false. (laughs) I want to say one thing about lactose intolerance and evolution, though, because it's actually, like, humans should be lactose intolerant, um, because what, there's no other mammalian species that continues drinking milk after, you know, like, being a small little baby, um, but, uh, cultures that had, you know, were raising, like, dairy cows, um, are generally not lactose intolerant even though every like everyone gets lactose intolerant when they're old um because you're the body's just like not supposed to be built for them so basically like european people um are generally not lactose intolerant but like all asian people are because they just had cows and milk products introduced way later like on the time scale of human evolution and so like you guys just haven't evolved to be not lactose intolerant yet surprise (laughs) this is (laughs) First of all, yeah, this is so true. Like, um, it was so funny because when my parents first brought me home, like, they were like, oh, here's some, like, milk. And then I started, like, getting sick. And my my poor white European parents were like, oh, no, we did not think this through. <laughs> we poisoned her baby. <laughs> um, and then second of all, not only are most Asians lactose intolerant, most Asians, okay, like 50% of Asians don't have the enzyme that processes alcohol. So clearly, like, I don't understand why like people think that Asians are like the prized minority because we can't have like cheese and ice cream. And then we also can't have alcohol correctly. So like, are we really thriving? Are we really the model minority here? Unclear. <laughs> Wait, is that, like, where the Asian glow comes from? Yeah. Oh my god, I had no idea there was an actual scientific explanation for that. <laughs> Which, by the way, my Asian boyfriend makes fun of me for having a worse glow than he does, but, you know, it's fine. Oh, Quinn, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> I'm so pale. <sighs> anyway, um, so normally we have a pop culture topic, but we've actually hit time and it's 2.30 in the morning, so I think we're just gonna call it. Pop culture is a social construct. <laughs> that is extremely correct. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Okay. Well, uh, brief membership plug again, because this is what I'm doing all August. I love it. I love Relay, so it's fun to do. Um, I already did a little membership plug earlier. But yeah, if you become a Relay FM member and support this great network, um, you get access to a lot of cool behind-the-scenes stuff, including the previously mentioned members-only show. You get this uh, newsletter once a month. You get... Um, And you get access to this super cool members-only feed, which has um, bonus content in it, especially during the month of August, our membership drive that's happening now. Every show is putting out a bonus episode, um, and things are going to be a little fun, a little weird, um, and those episodes will be coming out. They're going to start coming out really soon, so you should definitely hop on it. Um, if you want to support this show directly, which would be super cool of you, um, you can go to relay.fm slash mixed feelings and there's a button for support. And if you want to support Relay FM in general or just like check out your different options for pledging and different shows and everything, you can go to relay.fm slash membership and you can see everything out there. So basically it's just super fun. Um, and we are going to be recording our special bonus episode it's going to be coming out in a couple weeks and i've been hinting at it uh jillian do you want to officially announce what we're doing okay so quinn and i are watching the wolf of wall street and providing commentary on it it's gonna be so fun this is one of maybe like three movies in the world that jillian has seen and i haven't um but we're both going to watch it this month and talk about it and probably argue about capitalism, but also about Leonardo DiCaprio. It's going to be so fun. 
It's going to be great because there are so many people in this movie that have Long Island accents just because, you know, of the setting of the movie. And also, if those those of you who have already seen it, um, you know sort of the gist of the movie. And I had to watch this movie on a first date, okay? So <laughs> that just that just, I feel like, explains a lot. So that is coming out very soon, and so you should support Relay FM. And like, if you can't afford it, I totally understand. We still love you. You'll still get this show for free every week, um, and it's going to be great anyway. But if you can, you get cool bonus stuff. So on that, um, if you want to just find our show notes or send us feedback, you can go to relay.fm slash mixedfeelings. Um, you can also find us on Twitter, where you could tweet at us or send us a DM at mixedfeelingsfm. Um, or you can find us in Apple Podcast, where if you would like, you can leave us a review. You can find me on Twitter at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jillian Parker. Aw, Quinn, thanks for talking to me today. I missed you a lot. I missed you too. Thanks for talking with me. I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. And these were our mixed feelings. <laughs>